sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. And welcome, folks, to Week Whatever. Week Whatever in lockdown. Yes, myself and Simon again have two amazing guests. It's great again to, you know, be with my good friend Simon. I can't wait till we're in the studio, Simon. I really can't wait because, you know, I did a show there a couple of weeks in the studio and I just went, oh, I missed this so much. So we will get there. We will get there. How's your week been, Simon? How's your week? It's it, It's been good. Yeah, and back to the studio thing. I can't wait to come in and just squeeze you squeeze you you know from a distance but just to see that you're real you know again and uh no it's been good and uh it's getting cold again i think we've, we've, there's a there's a mini beast from the east coming so we all need to stay warm and wrapped up stay wrapped up so do you know what I've, I've been doing over the last couple of weeks and this is really weird about two weeks ago i did 24 hour intermittent fasting right and the other day i did 36 hours in a minute intermittent fasting and i tell you my energy levels boosted i felt great i had a clearness in my head um and really sort of and it was something now i'm doing it because of you know my wife is nutrition and you know she's saying look do this drink lots of water when you're doing it but because we're in lockdown all the time and we can't get into a rut and we can only get it walking it's that extra little thing that boost your body again restart so you know i'm 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 sold on i'm going to start doing it now every couple of weeks so you know i might get slim yeah i go i go i go walking every night with my wife religiously now and we love it you know an hour and a half two hours and i'm obsessed with it now i, I think we've done it nearly every day since march the 12th so i can't imagine not doing it so whatever it takes to, to get us through you know and what do you think about us um Number 29 in the entrepreneurial uh, Apple podcast charts as well. That's great, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to mention that if you didn't know, I think we've worked hard, Joe, you know, and we've got great guests and we've got two really good guests today as well. We so. do. We, we have waiting, pat, pat waiting patiently, waiting patiently. This week, we're going to be talking about diversity and inclusion in Ireland. And one thing when people hear these words, they think of data points, they think of processes, but there's more to that. It's about culture, it's about com- communication, and it's about individual growth as well. So on that, we have a we have two amazing guests. Uh, our first guest that we have is Sandra Healy. Sandra is the founder and director of UCD Center of Excellence at Diversity and Inclusion and the founder of In- Inclusio Software. And over the last 14 years, she has been championing diversity and inclusion in Ireland and I believe is the leading expert over here as well. So, Sandra, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Thank you. Um, and just one small uh, correction. I'm actually Dublin City University, not not UCD. Sorry, my my apologies. Sorry, no my problem apologies. at all. No problem at all. Yes. Anyway, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're already left us back to front. And, and our, our second guest is um, uh, equally prestigious. Um, and I hope I spell this right, Pedro. It's Pedro Antivero. Um, Pedro is project lead of the Research Center for Excellence for Diversity and Inclusion at DCU, Dublin City University, a uh, position I think you've held um, uh, for over a year now. Um, he's an organizational consultant specializing in people-driven change management and organizational development. And he has. it says here he has an inherent understanding of how difficult change is. So I think we might focus a little bit on that because there are challenges 
that I'm hearing and I see going forward. And you have a passion for diversity and inclusion. So it's it's an honor to, to, to have you here, Pedro. It's great to see you. Thank you very much, Simon and Joe. It's great to have you on, you guys. So tell us, do you know, I want to sort of say, def- define what inclusion and diversity is for someone who doesn't know. I might go first, Joe, and and that's a question that we get asked all the time. Um, and and I and I would say that it's an evolving definition. From my perspective, when I think about diversity, I think about um, individuals. So you know, to Simon's point around sometimes organisations kind of think about diversity in in categories like gender and race and ethnicity and things like that. But really for me, when I think about diversity and, and the work we do is very much about focused on individual difference. So, so an acceptance and an understanding that every one of us is really different. And when it comes to inclusion and in particular inclusion in the place, um, really it's around creating an environment where people feel welcome. Uh, they feel uh, connected to the mission of the organization and they have an opportunity uh, to, to be their best and to give and to give their best uh, and to contribute to, to um, contribute to something that's uh, bigger than themselves. And, and uh, from, from a human perspective, that's what we need. We need to be able to feel like we're contributing uh, and, we're, and we have an opportunity to connect. Pedro, how would you add to that? Because I, you know, and, and that that was great, Sandra. And you know, f- for me, you know, I, I'm hearing more and more that inclusion is not just about diversity and gender balance. It's about psychological safety. It's about neurodiversity. It's about allowing, you know, um, you know, people who are who have imposter syndrome or, or who are introverts to feel equally valid. It's a, it, it's it seems to be a, a, an increasingly large area from a scope perspective. What, what do you think, Pedro? Well, just to, to add to Sandra's definition, I would say that regardless of what different we are, we deserve the same opportunity. For me, this is the definition of inclusion. And, you know, so and sometimes when we talk about diversity, people, people ask what it is that? But for me, diversity and inclusion is regardless of what different we are and we have the same opportunities, we are, we are able to have safe conversations. You know, when we are, when we are able to talk about who we are Regardless where I am, this is a safe conversation, and I am not being judged for my opinions, my background, my academia. So when we are able to have safe conversation, that for me is inclusion. Yeah. And, and can I just add to that? Um, and it's a good point you make, Simon, around the um, in, in, uh, uh, equality and equity. And we start to think about that because if I think about some of the work and the, and the journey we're on in in higher education, in particular over the last two to three years. And, and we focus on universal design. So exactly what you described there around you know, complexity of when you have people with personalities, different backgrounds, different capabilities, uh, how do you create that in inclusive environment, uh, you know, that everybody is considered? So the, a lot of the work we've been doing in higher education, and, and again, it probably last three to four years, I'd say, across the UK, and now we've started to adopt it uh, uh, in Ireland, is this concept of universal design. So, so consider, to Pedro's point there, around uh, equal opportunity. 
you know, so so things like, for example, making sure that there's equitable access to the hiring process for everybody, regardless of of um, of of your uh, capability or what way you would like the interview process to be uh, arranged. You know, so it, it's really taking into consideration the variables of humans and and making sure then that they um, that there's equitable access and equal opportunity for everybody. Sandra, can I ask you a question? What was your driving force to sort of take up the challenge and sort of drive this home within the country? Yeah, that's a good question, Joe. So like I spent 20 years in the telecoms industry working across the UK and Ireland before I came into higher education. So my background in in diversity and inclusion was very much on a voluntary basis uh, when I was in industry. And, And I think really what brought me to diversity and inclusion is my fundamental uh, value of fairness, right? So for me, it's really, really important. And it's just an integral part of things for me that uh, is fairness. So what I started to notice throughout my career is that it wasn't necessarily equitable for different people, not necessarily myself, but I started to notice that it wasn't the same for people around me. Um, And you know, when I always get asked for that, what's that one piece of advice? What's the one thing you'll say? And and it's the one thing that I live by, which is don't step over it. So so when I started to notice uh, the you know unfairness and in in equitable practices within the organisations I was working in, I was saying to myself, I can't step over this now and just leave this behind for somebody else to fix. Yeah. So, so that's really where my where it comes from. That's interesting, Sandra and, and Pedro. You know, I, I'm you know I'm hearing more and more that that we need to be more deliberate and definitive with this stuff because, you know, j- just today I'm hearing you know that you know some of these delivery um, cyclists from predominantly from Brazil are getting targeted now on their bikes, and so there's that side of thing, and then there's you know there's all sorts of issues around gender bias, and and there's so many complications out there, and. Um, you know, if to what extent it, it's very easy for the lay stander or the bystander just to ignore this stuff and say it's not their problem, you know, but but to what extent do we all have to now really stand up, right, and start being deliberate in calling this out? Well, I would say, Simon, that it is very important to be aware about our unconscious biases. We, we, we all have them. And, you know, and sometimes people think, well, I have unconscious bias. That, that, that is something bad. And actually, it's not bad at all. You know, we, we need unconscious bias because unconscious bias help us to save time and to take quick decisions. But the problem is in the workplace when we are taking decisions. And I think the step, the, the, the step number one is to be aware that we have unconscious bias to understand, you know, that we can be more connected to people who are like me. You know, people like people like themselves. You know, we, we feel more connected to people who look like me, the same color skin, speak my same language, the same access, etc. Everything which is different, different for me is going to be out of my comfort zone. I w- we naturally try to be close to, to what we know. You know, what is different is, is unsafe. It is out of our comfort zone. So I would say number one is be aware about our unconscious bias. And, and you know, number two is to see how can I make small changes in my day to day basis, you know. But again, I, number one is awareness. I think it, one of, yeah, one of the I, things one of the things that I've learned over the, over the last couple of years is, and, and and just in the conversation, I'm gathering that we have all travelled as well. And I think when you do actually step outside your own country and go into different cultures, you sort of that diversity changes and that mindset changes as well. For myself personally, I've been all over the world in in 
probably maybe about travel for being 18 years and longer. And I've met different nationalities in different countries. And that has allowed me to understand that everybody is one. We are all equal on it. And then when you come back to Ireland, I've always noticed then when you came back to Ireland, the Irish themselves are very much clannish, even to other Irish people. There's a network of friends and it's even very hard to get into that network. But as I'm hoping, as the next generation is coming up, because the country is now very multicultural, that that stigma and that relationships all drop and we all then start to be very united on it. In saying that, do you agree with what I'm saying or would you disagree with what I'm saying? I think a little bit of both, Joe. And, and I think, yeah, I, I yeah. suppose there's two things and it's it's going back into a point that Simon made around deliberate effort, right? And then we have Pedro talking about, you know, the unconscious becoming conscious. Mm. Like the challenge that we have uh, and we have an opportunity as well, but let me talk about the challenge first, right? The the, the challenge we have is that it's not going to happen without deliberate effort. Um, and, and, you know, when we think about how all those unconscious things that were, they were programmed into us in the society that we grew up in and programmed through our culture and now being programmed into us through the media. Um, and, and the challenge with that is unless we interrupt and make that, that unconscious conscious, um, it, 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 things are not going to change. So let me let me just give you um, a, a, an example of that, of how, and again, sorry, just going back to what Simon said around this concept of deliberate action. What I'm proposing here is around this concept of being an upstander, not a bystander. And, and I do some work with, and I'm on, on the advisory board of the Anti-Bullying Centre in DCU. And when they talk, look at, um, at, at this concept of upstander, that's what they promote within schools, right? So you don't stand by and allow somebody to be disrespected. So, so to just to give you an example, I was I doing a talk for an organization there a little while ago. And uh, one of the women, she's a, a woman of African descent, uh, professional in in uh, one of the in the banking sector, and she was telling me that on the bus she was racially abused on the bus on the way into work one day, and she said, you know, she said when I think about uh, the impact that that had on me, she said I don't blame the ignorant person who racially abused me. She said, but I absolutely was so disappointed and hurt with all the other people who sat around and allowed it to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because the people who sat there and and didn't say anything, that their silence meant that they aligned with the with the the person who was abusing rather than her, herself. That's a very deep point, Sandra, and it's something you know. I, you know, I. I grew up in England, right? But I'm British, Irish, and Australian citizen, and I've lived here. I've been out of England for 20 years, so I can, I'm kind of watching it as a semi-bystander living in Ireland. And what I see, and I also work with, do a lot of work around cultural astuteness and cultural assimilation in com- com- companies. And one of the companies, an aviation com- company with 350 staff from 87 countries, and. <laughs> What I'm hearing is that people who are not indigenous from Ireland, even if they're from just England, right, there are there 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 are, there, is, there are these biases, right? There is a certain level of abuse. But when you listen when you listen and talk to indigenous Irish people, most of them don't realize this is happening, right? So there seems to be a big disconnect. And why do you think that maybe Pedro is is that accurate? Or and if that is accurate, why is that disconnect there? Sorry, can you repeat the question, Simon? 
Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, there seems to be a bit, you know, I mean, Ireland's a wonderful place, right? But but I do get the impression that most, you know, law-abiding good Irish citizens in Ireland don't realise the level of racism that's going on. Yeah, I think we actually, naturally, we try to, it, it is really difficult to see yourself. You know, we normally see like, a, oh, uh, exclusion, that is not, not I, I am not exclusive, you know, I, I am very inclusive. I don't like to exclude anyone. It is quite difficult to see yourself and to be aware of, of you are missing something or you are acting in in a in an exclusive way. So number one, so that is naturally we do that because we do don't want to be seen as a, as a, we are not being inclusive. So I, what I would say is that is something natural that happened. And number two is, again, we have to be aware about what we are missing. I, we know that here in, in Ireland, in, in Ireland, you know, we have seen a lot of people coming from different countries, nationalities, and, you know, a lot of people are changing their point of view. I want to tell you an example. I was conducting the Race Equality Forum. So we had people from different countries, nationality, ethnicity, skin color, etc. And we have actually Irish black people. And she was telling us that she's being asked all the time, where did you learn your, your English? Your English is so good. It is perfect. And she said, actually, I am Irish. I don't know any other language. You know, I am black Irish. So I think, you know, that kind of situation where people skin color. And I'm going to tell you a personal story. I have a daughter. And obviously, she, she's not white. She's like my skin color, a little bit dark. And we will, the doctor said, you know what? She said to my wife, I wasn't there because I was working. And my wife went to the nursery and, and she said, your, your baby has a weird skin color. And, and my wife asked, what do you mean by that? And she said, it is not, she, why, why she's not like a, your, your, your color? She's not white. And she said, no, my husband, he's actually Venezuelan and he's, he's not white. And she was, I'm so sorry, but I think there is, and she wasn't rude, mm. you know, she was just, for her it was not normal to not be white, you know what I mean? So now we can see how the, the culture is changing and, and, and you have started to see people from different nationalities and the conscious and the awareness is changing as well. Yeah. I think we're evolving as a society. I think we are, because if you look at the culture and going back to probably in the, the 1990s, if you had come over to Ireland then, you know, and I had friends who came over from England um, and they said the only people that they, that they saw in Ireland that time was white people. There was very little multiculture on it. And then as as time grew on. So that that was the, the, the growth within within the country. And that is changing. The other thing that um, with Sandra, what you were saying about, you know, the, the person, you know, being bullied. I've experienced in that as well. And, you know, I blame the bully, but I also blame all the people that was around who in that organization who stood by as well. We're telling stories. I, I was I get my hair cut a long time ago and a, the barber said, oh, the, all the foreigners that are coming into the country, robbing all the jobs. And I said to him, how dare you? I says, do you not understand that the Irish are, you know, there's 70 million Irish around the world. There's 35,000 in America. Maybe you forgot that in the 1980s, we went to Ireland or we went to England and it was don't hire Irish, you know, or don't hire blacks. So we were abused in, in New York and all. So, you know, you have to remember before someone says, oh, foreigners, the Irish are probably the biggest foreigners around the world as well. And what I fear and what I really upsets me about what people, why people are angry or people are frustrated or people are rude towards foreigners. And I believe that is education and fear. 
I really think it is that if we can sort of drive this into our education system, which it is happening because our schools are coming multicultural, but then into the education, in, into our in, into our organizations and teaching people that, you know, it starts with education. You and me will probably, Sandra or, or um, Pedro will, or Simon will never solve it. It's the next generations that are coming up that are going to make this acceptable. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I might I might just pivot there a little bit. To, to, so I might start with you, Sandra. And we haven't mentioned gender, right? And so I spoke to another expert in Ireland around this, a, a DNI expert, and, and she said to me, well, actually, a bigger problem in Ireland is lack of gender balance, right? What are you seeing around that? Are you seeing, or, or, or is... Or is that an excuse not to deal with this 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 this, this wider cultural issue? What what do you think, Sandra? Yeah, I think well, thankfully, what we've started to do and and what we see in Ireland and particularly across Europe as well is is starting to track uh, gender uh, representation. So, and I think uh, I would imagine that that comment that was made was probably very much looking at the boards in Ireland, which there's a laser focus on now at the moment. Okay, uh, and and again, it has been happening across Europe and in particular in in the UK. Um, So just to give you a bit of context, right, around why does it matter? Okay, so some of you may have heard of the 30% Club, others may not, but the the 30% Club essentially is based on a piece of research that shows if you have any less than 30% of, of the minority around the table, it is near impossible to break through groupthink. Okay, so if you think about that, right, if you have 10 of exactly the same, there are very similar people sitting around a table having to make decisions and consider all others, you're not going to get that diversity of thought. You're not going to get the representation. So obviously organizations start with what we can see, right? And the gender piece is very visible for us to see as a difference. Um, and and in as well as that, uh, there's a lot of research that shows that if you, if you get the gender representation piece right, that what actually starts to happen is you break through the groupthink. And what happens is all the other aspects of diversity um, start to become part of the consideration of that group. So, so there's a business case behind it um, there's an economic case behind it, and I know we don't have time to go into um, some of the poor decisions that were made through groupthink in the past, right? But there is, you know, and so it's not just around a philosophical or, or a representation visibility thing. There's a, there's a rationale as to why this is the right thing for us as a country. T- tell me, what changes do you believe that we need to make within or in the country moving forward? Um, well, for me, I think it's 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 everything we've talked about here, Joe. Right, and I think the one thing theme that for me has is coming out here is about that representation. It is around being an upstander, and it is about being you know being inclusive, being conscious, and being brave. Right, this is new for all of us. As Pedro said, people like people like themselves. It's the way we're wired. So we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone just a bit. You know, be welcoming. You know, it's not nice being the minority. It's not nice being excluded from any perspective. And what it takes to include is the one person making an effort to include. So it's collectively yeah. our responsibility to do that. There's a there's a, a saying that you know you could be in you could be in a bar with a hundred people on your own, and you'll still be the loneliest person on the planet. 
So, yeah. you know, it, yeah. I, I think I'm blessed. Um, people that know me, I'm, I, I walk into a room and every, when I leave the room, I know everybody in the room and I chat to everybody. <laughs> Um, and I, with, with, the, with, with gender balance as well, and Simon has heard me personally speak about this before, I learned a long time ago from my sister who was an entrepreneur and very successful here in Ireland. And um, I've never seen this because I grew up that it was, you know, men and women were equal and only when then traveling around the world. And, and then when I came back and people were talking about this, I was genuinely shocked that women some women were being paid less than men or they were in position i i couldn't get my head around it because i thought it was just we are again my motto is and i believe it is that we are all one you know yeah. and if we can get to to prove you know people to realize that we take down the barriers we take down the culture we take down the color of our skin we take down the gender and remember we are all one and if we can do that life can life can be very good for everybody you're so right. You're so right, Joe. And Pedro, I mean, I spent time in Australia and I was a CEO for an Aboriginal, American Aboriginal company, Inuit company in Australia uh, as a white guy, right, from overseas in Europe. And so I experienced racism between Aboriginal groups, American and Australian, between Australian Aboriginals and white Australia, Aboriginal Australians. So I saw it all and I was in the middle of all this stuff and it just blew my head up because I, I thought, well, hang about what, you know, of course we create the, we created these barriers on the planet because we lived in these little micro pockets called countries, right? Um, but, but when you think about it, there's seven and a half billion people on this one rock. We're on one rock, not seven hundred and seven and a half billion. Do you think the fact that surely, I'd like to think the fact that we're all now connecting more online, surely those artificial national barriers should start and cultural barriers should start breaking down or am i just a dreamer pedro <laughs> well no that, that that's that's something that i think is happening actually i think nowadays because we are all connected as you as you said before the globalization is helping us to improve ourselves in that way i think at the moment a lot of a lot of us are working with different people nationalities you know a time zone as well so I think there is something which is happening. However, I would say that we have to be aware that still this is a problem that we have to we have to solve. This is a problem that has to be solved. And I believe when we have that in mind, we can improve. You know, you, we can be more inclusive. But the problem is when when we hide that, when we are we, when that is hidden, that is the problem. But if you have in mind there is a problem that has to be solved. You know, we are not inclusive as we believe we are. I think we can evolve. We can move forward to the next step. Is it a case as well when people do come into the country, you know, that, you know, are they, you know, is there, a, are they told of a stereotype, you know, of the Irish people? You know, we used to be, you know, cave me the fault, you're 100 million welcome. So, and is it different to when they come here? It, it, Pedro, I'll open that up to yourself. Well, um, to be honest, in my opinion, I mean, I think I have been very lucky here, I have to say, you know, you know. I I only had really difficult experience when I was applying for a job. I had an interview and someone said, well, we can't hire you because you don't have local experience. You don't know how the Irish market works. Um, but I have been very lucky in general, but I believe we, we all of us have our own belief about different countries, you know, but I think we need to ask questions. You know, I think we, we, we normally try to assume because we don't want to see ourselves like, oh, I don't know about that culture, about that people. And I believe it is very important to ask questions, you know, and try to not assume. I'm going to tell you an example. Every time that I, when I go out, people, in, if I 
for example, if I help someone to do something, people say, oh, obrigado. And, 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 and people look at me like, a, and I was like, oh. And, and I didn't respond because I don't know Portuguese, but people assume that I am Brazilian, for example. You know, so because people don't want to ask because people assume that every people who are not white while my skin color are from Brazil. You know what I mean? But I think if we start to ask questions, we start to change, you know, the way that we connect to people and try to not assume. Yeah, I, I think it's important. To, you know, I, I know we're coming to we're coming to the end. I know, Sandra, you have to have to shoot off. Um we, I think this this conversation could last a lot longer. Um, one one of the things, you know, I, I I'll ask both of you before before you go. If I am um, a CEO uh, in in an organization, what is the one thing that I can do today to start helping diversity and inclusion within my organization? Um, okay, I'll I'll take that one uh, first, Joe. I like for me, I think it is around its visibility. Um, it's around uh, representation, as I mentioned, and like it, it can be quite difficult for for leaders uh, to 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 get a sense of well, what what do I need to do here, or where do I start, or if I start talking about this and I get it wrong, how am I going to look, and and things like that. So, and and also we have to remember that when somebody steps out of the group they automatically become excluded for that moment of the group. So, so it's actually quite a brave, and we, 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 I think we need to recognize that and not underestimate it, um, that it is actually a brave move for, for the, we'll say, male CEO in this case, that has to step out of their group and start to consider and represent what it's like for people who are different and for the other, if we can use that term. So, so for me, um, uh, starting to educate yourself and how do you do that? Having conversations with people that you probably wouldn't normally have conversations with uh, and people in your own organization. Get, you know, I, I describe it as the voice of the people. Absolutely critical. The most powerful thing you can ever do is, the vo- is listen and ask the, the voice of the people in the organization is what can we do? And But that physical um, visible representation at the top cannot be underestimated because certainly in all the work we do within the centre and in all my experience, if you don't have that, it's it's near impossible for you to drive the cultural change you need across the organisation. Yeah. And Pedro, to yourself? Yeah, I would say it is important to create spaces, you know, where you have the opportunity to hear your team, you know, because first of all, we need to understand what different we are and to hear others' opinions. I think creating spaces is very, very, very important and key, I would say. Simon? I heard recently, I don't know whether I got it right, but diversity is sending an invite to people out to your dinner party, whereas inclusion is actually have them sit down at the table with you, you know? And I kind of like that way of looking at, um, if you're gonna do this, do this deliberately and mean it, right? So, Yeah, definitely. Sandra, Pedro, thanks for coming on to the show. It's been a pleasure. And folks, myself and Simon will be right back after the break. Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Business Eye. That was interesting, Simon, wasn't it? I was really, really interesting. I, I guess one thing we didn't get around to talking about, and maybe we could do this at a later date, is that, you know, how you measure this stuff, put metrics on this, how do organisations keep themselves accountable because I know you know Sandra through her business Inclusio they do that so maybe we could have a conversation at a later date about KPIs and metrics and accountability because I think it's really important that 
instead of just talking about it, I think companies really need to measure this. You know, if you want what you can't measure, you can't deal with kind of thing. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, you know, I believe it starts with conversation. You know, it's yeah. understanding where the organization is, where they, the starting point and where they want to end up. You know, it's it's like a company going, OK, we're going to do this and they go right and they don't know where to start or they don't know the process that they need to implement it. And where do they want to be at the end of it? And sometimes I just scratch my head. I really do scratch my head that people don't get this. You know, when when Patrick, um, a researcher, was doing some work on this and I sent him an email and I said, you know, I thought this was just common sense. You know, you've educated me because, you know, maybe it's because we've traveled, maybe because we've traveled. I, I think that's a big part of it. If you've traveled and you've seen the world and you realize, as I said, on the, you know, earlier on that, you know, we're all seven and a half billion people on the same planet. We, we have different colored hair. So why can't we have different colored skin? We come from different families. So why can't we come from different cultures? It's just, it's the mindset that was entrenched, you know, hundreds of years ago. And we, we need to break free of this stuff. It's boring, think, isn't it? It's lazy, isn't it, Joe? I think we are breaking free. I really do. I think, you know, and that's what we're saying, the, our, the next generation, our kids, you know, when two children are born, they don't look at color skin. They don't look at, you know, the language. You know, I've seen my daughter when she was a baby playing with another child and none of them spoke the same language and they, yeah. you know, they fed off the energy off each other. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and then for some reason it's educated into us or it's driven into us, yeah. you know, from all the stuff around us. And only when you step above that and go, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's nice to have friends from different countries. You, you exactly. educate yourself. Exactly. And you the know? same, and the same with companies as well, the, the, those companies that are more balanced and diverse, uh, and manage that cohesively, it's being proven now on the stock markets that their brand equity can go up and their profitability can go up. But as Sandra said, CEOs need to have the they need to have the guts to take that on board. Um, but if they do properly, you're actually seeing returns in companies. It's it's interesting you say that on about the stock market. You know, look what's happening in the stock market in the States. You know, we chat about it during the week on it, which yeah. is GameStop, you know, oh. short short stop selling. Um, and the price is shooting up and yeah. there's something going on there. And I, I watched a documentary on a part of research uh, during the night and someone was saying in the documentary, they were saying part of these, what they were selling are holding back is make believe, you know, there's, yeah. there's something going on on it as well. It's so the, It's the little man also standing up to Wall Street. And I was listening to a fair bit as well this during the week and Wall Street's genuinely concerned that they're losing their grip on controlling this stuff, you know. So, yeah, but stopping people from buying, you know, you know, they so they can still be in control on it. And the yeah. other thing, what I've noticed is with gold, gold uh, last week was down about $25, $25, the lowest it's it's ever been. And then the same thing as uh, is what's happening, people are buying it, it's going up. But I've seen then that one of the big uh, American, um, uh, stock house, stock broker houses were saying, you know, they were publishing that gold, silver isn't going up, and everything is grand. And there's people going, hang on, they're lying here because it, it's it's it is rising. So yeah, it's, it's mad. It's, but you know what? You know, on a lighter note, you know what I'm going to invest in hairdressers. <laughs> hairdressers, yes, hairdressers. Indeed. I need a haircut, Joe. But but I think we all do. I think we all do. I'm. Hairdressing and uh, women are asking about, you know, their nails or is yeah. it manicures or I don't know. I think so, manicurist, yeah. A couple of things as well. Uh, 
you know, Fulcher Ireland is there's there's a a fund coming for fifty five million for the tourism. Um, it's called Survive to Drive, which is funny. That was something that we did in a show a long time ago. Um, that's coming up. And Minister Bork as well has announced another further uh, commercial rate package for the hospitality, uh, childcare, and entertainment and retail as well. So all this money's being pumped out, and it's great. The question yeah. that I I love the an- answer for: Who's going to pay it all back? Who's going to pay it all back? You know. Yeah, I think I think you know. There's a there's just a kind of a denial thing. There's a hope that interest rates don't start going up in the next few years. You know, I think there's this assumption that they'll oh, it'll be grand. They won't go up, and you know, for another decade. And that's another government's problem. But fingers crossed that they're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if they do, will there'll be you know a lot of people suffering on it. But look, you know what I'm I, I'm saying to people. I love to buy Irish. That is, you know, being pushed around around the country as well. So if yeah. you're spending, if you want to spend money, buy Irish. It's going to help you. It's going to help your kids. It's going to help the local community as well. Yeah, and exactly. all of that we say, you know, lateral thinking, don't take everything as face value and question everything. That's everything, you know, in yeah. in your own business, in your own life, in the political system, whatever it may be as well. So just... You know, yeah. use the noggin, as my dad would say. Use, use the, the noggin. noggin. <laughs> use the noggin. Yeah. Use the noggin. Used to add something onto it as well. But I won't say that on we'll it. leave that one out. Yeah, we'll leave that on it. So, so what's the plans for the weekend? Anything exciting? Dinner uh, out, you know? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> maybe maybe get a Mars bar on the walk or something. Uh, just a bit of exercise. And uh, I hope it's not going to get too snowy because I love walk. You know, I love walking. Get, I can, within my 5K, I can get down to Sandy Mount. And, uh, you know, I love just getting out in nature. You know, that, that, yeah. that really has kept me going, you know, for the last year, walking along the River Dodder and, you know, Sandy Mount. I've never realized how important nature was to me until this time. Connection. Yeah, it is. It's it's part of us. It's part of us. Anyway, folks, look, this is another week of Business Eye. I want to say thanks for tuning in. Um, next week, we're going to be speaking to uh, Spinning on innovation, as we said, and we're going to be speaking to people about the great reopening as well. An interested movement that is trying to get people to sort of prepare their business to reopen in the future. Until then. Have a blessed weekend and myself and Simon will talk to you later.